Welcome to Plex Weather. I'm Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. Uh, we're going to bring in Aubrey Bledsoe as uh, my guest for this week's episode. But first, we have a, a little spirit news to talk about. Uh, the preseason continued down in Florida. Uh, the spirit beat a select team from IMG Academy uh, 5-0. their second preseason game. The third one, there was a little false positive. I don't want to call it an outbreak uh, because that implies that players got COVID. Turns out there were false positives down in training camp that the team, everyone thought it was for the best. They not uh, play in that situation after having to shut down uh, training for, for players that uh, had that brief uh, bad news that turned out, you know, thankfully false positives. Uh, the league said that no one had a confirmed positive uh, that last week. So that's, things are going well in that regard. But it did cost the Spirit a second or a third preseason game, the game against Orlando uh, that is now uh, off the books. But we do have this other game to talk about. And uh, we have, you know, we've been talking all offseason about this potential new formation. And it sounds like the Spirit gave that uh, its debut. I don't know whether I haven't had a chance to talk to the coaching staff, whether they want to say this is a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-2-1. Either way. Uh, could be a very interesting thing. I, I imagine that this was the the number one thing on the list when they traded to acquire Emily Sonnet on a team that already had a pretty established uh, center back pairing. You go get a player like that because you want to play all three of them with, with Paige uh, Nielsen and Sam Staub. Uh, you want to play that back three if you can. It, and that's this looks like the formation that's designed to make that happen. It, it sounded like from... Uh, the way the the game went, a little post game uh, media or media interviews, not w- without media because the the team put these interviews out. But uh, it sounded like from uh, what Ashley Sanchez and Bailey Feist uh, said on those little recordings that maybe the first half didn't go all that well. Uh, the players were maybe not so pleased with how the first half went, but they got it together after halftime ended up scoring four goals. I think Sanchez had one goal, two assists. Feist had two more uh, to add to her preseason uh, scoring run. So it's a, it's a very interesting look. If you go to uh, Black and Red United, there's a Washington Spirit Notebook article. There's a picture of Bailey Feist from the game. Uh, if you're looking for which one it is, the lineup graphic is in there. There's a little more a little more in the way of details about the game. If you didn't see it on when the team tweeted it out. So if you want to catch up more on that, how the players fit into the system, where some of the rookies fit in or the newcomers fit in, that information uh, is, is on the site. Can't talk too much about it because I didn't see the game. Um, so there's a little bit of uh, some educated guesses on the lineup that got uh, some confirmation uh, after the fact, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating formation. It, it could be the path to getting the best, 11 on the team uh, on the field. But the good news is that the reason I say it could be is because there's enough talent on the team where maybe this isn't the best way because maybe you have some players who would fit in a different system. I'm thinking of, you know, does Jordan DiBiase play as a forward in that system or is she maybe a third central midfielder and they play with two forwards instead of three? These are the kind of things that are right now unknown because she's been, she's only just joined the team uh, recently after, uh, rehabbing a hip injury. So that's also some good news. Her and Julia Radar uh, have arrived in in town uh, so they can join uh, training to some extent. We'll talk about that briefly 
during the interview uh, with Aubrey. But yeah, that's the big news in the spirit world at out or the spirit world makes it sound like I'm talking about a uh, world for ghosts, but I'm not. These are actual human beings. The other the other news uh, item is just that as as we've known, you know, Richie, uh, Richie Burke told the media a little while ago that the team was aiming to play uh, a final preseason game at Audi Field. Sounds like that's been confirmed. It's not announced yet, but it sounds it, it has sounded like it's been confirmed for a while. I think Steve Goff from the Washington Post said, uh, speaking of it as as a certainty, I am certainly, I've been planning on it as a certainty. I've been keeping that day open in case media is allowed. We still don't know. Uh, I'm hopeful. Um, it sounds likely that media will be allowed in. Uh, unfortunately, fans will not be allowed. That's not part of the waiver as far as I understand it. But hopefully soon, uh, fans will be in the stands. I know out at Segra Field, uh, the team's already planning for uh, a maximum of 1,000 fans. Not, you know, we would, oh, I think everyone would love it if it was a higher number, but also for safety's sake, you know, it's a good idea to keep things, uh, be a little conservative with this sort of thing as we're starting to get people their vaccinations, get people into situations. We've figured out more of what is safe and what isn't safe. I don't know how many people uh, spent some time about, you know, a year ago at this time, maybe uh, you're like me and you're wiping down your groceries with uh, um, uh, cleaning wipes and leaving them sitting on the counter for uh, overnight to dry off just to be extra safe. And then it turned out probably just wasted uh, a bunch of cleaning wipes uh, for no good reason at the time. It's nice that we know a little more. It's nice that we're getting closer, but we're not out of the out of the woods on this thing. So, you know, the, those regulations, those those attendance caps, they aren't a lot of fun, but they are they're probably necessary. I'm going to let the experts uh, take the lead on that one, which I am not. I'm not an epidemiologist, it turns out. I didn't find out that I was uh, suddenly in the last few days or anything like that. It's I'm still not an epidemiologist. But on that note, that confusing note, uh, I'm going to move into the interview with Aubrey right now. And for the first time, as almost as almost always, it's going to be like this for a little while. For the first time on Plex Weather, I'm joined by Aubrey Bledsoe. Aubrey, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. I'm uh, excited that Plex lives on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the Plex Weather. And actually, I was I noticed earlier today we're recording on um, uh, Tuesday, and it's actually quite nice outside. Yeah. And I, I noticed in the morning that it was nice, and I was like, you know, the cl- the most classic Plex weather would be for it to be very nice, and the forecast to be very nice, and then for it to <laughs> suddenly go bad. Um, but it seems like it's holding off right now. Nothing. I'm I'm at least not subject to any sort of tornado watch or anything like that. I don't I don't know how it is out where you are. Right. Well, that's because there's not. It's not a spirit game day. But as soon as yeah. something gets on the schedule, the storms roll in. <laughs> I, I did. I will say. I, you know, we're there's a preseason game in a few days and, and I believe there is rain in the forecast. So I'm like, of course, of course there would be. Right. I know. I know. I saw that. <laughs> Typical. Um, so, you know, first up, I know um, the, the listeners are going to want to know uh, about this. And I know that going down to Florida and uh, getting involved in any baking was probably not too, uh, too easy to pull off from a hotel setting. Um but what have you been baking during the off season? Is there anything that you've like come to as like a new recipe or something that you're trying to, uh, to really perfect right now? Um, just trying new things. Um, I watched a lot of the great British 
baking show over the holidays and all mm-hmm. the little holiday specials. So I've got got lots to try. Um, it's ironic because right now I actually have something in the oven for <laughs> Ashley Sanchez and Bailey Fife because when we were down in Florida, um, mm-hmm. it was their birthday. And, of course, yeah, I, I didn't have access to an oven there. Right. So um, I wanted to make them something once we got back. <laughs> well, that's nice. Uh, what are, Can you spoil what it is? Yeah, um, I'm making Sanchez a uh, cinnamon roll like casserole, okay. um, and then uh, for Bay, she loves peanut butter, so um, I make these peanut butter cookies with Reese's pieces, and yeah, so those, those they will have gotten good. them by the time this airs. So that's yeah, it's all uh, good. <laughs> those those sound awesome. Those both sound. I I could go either way. Um, and actually, <laughs> yeah. it, well, it reminds me, I have a friend who does a little like a side baking job, a friend that I've known for like 20 years, and she has a cookie that is um, a peanut butter cookie with cinnamon chips. So it's like the, the halfway point between those two desserts. Um, that's Yum. that's one of her go to like if I go to huh. their house for a um, their, their their children's birthdays or something, I haven't been, you know, during COVID, I haven't been up there in forever. But um that's like a, an expected item. You walk in the door and you know, you're going to smell those cookies somewhere in the house. Um, yeah, that's an interesting combo. I might have to steal that. Peanut yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, if you want, I can, I can ask her for the recipe and send it along if, if you want. Cause uh, I think she's probably on board to share. I don't know. She could be like, no, don't, don't share my recipy, but I don't <laughs> I know. Think that true bakers. Nice. I don't know. If they'll, right. if they'll disclose their secrets. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I, so- I'm going to make some croissants coming up soon with uh, one of our rookies, Anna. Okay. So got some things in, um, you know, on the, in the queue. So um, some new things to try out. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm also, I'm on board for croissants as well. Um, these all sound <laughs> awesome to me. I think, I think I, what I'm learning is that pretty much everything's gonna be like, no, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right. So you're coming back from Florida. You've been back for a few days mm-hmm. now. Um, what's the overall vibe within the group uh for you personally after you know it's this very long preseason but it's kind of been cut into chunks because you're up here in the bubble uh out in ashburn and then down in uh palm beach and now you're back up here and we're, we're now we're actually pretty close to the actual season starting right it it has been interesting because like you said it's the longest preseason in the history of the nwsl but now that we're um, almost two weeks away from our first game. I feel like it's coming so quickly. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. where did the time go? <laughs> um, so yeah, we've, we've had these different different phases and different things that we're targeting um, through our time yeah, in the bubbles and down in Florida. Um, but being in Florida was just incredible because, well, it's Florida. The weather was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in that environment, um, we were all staying at the same hotel, and so we got to kind of interact more than if we're here in D.C. and people are living, you know, all over Virginia and, and some of the city and stuff. So it was a great bonding experience as well, just to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really beneficial for us, um, and we had more time to work on our tactics and have meetings and, um, yeah, just more focused time and attention uh, as we get nearer to the start of the season. Uh, you know, speaking of, um, you know, the, the tactical approach and, you know, everyone I've talked to has said that there's, there are new elements, just like any team would be building some new elements in. Um, 
but as a goalkeeper, um, maybe on some teams, maybe on some more uh, or less, I should say, less possession oriented teams, your role would not necessarily factor in all that much into the tactical approach. But because you get so many touches on the ball and because the team wants to keep the ball so much, um, I'm curious about um, overall, what is I mean, I know there's some stuff that that you you guys want to keep under wraps, but um, <laughs> what what do you. Uh, notice this year as far as your responsibilities in goal uh, on the ball? Uh, have they changed very much or is it still kind of the same for you? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Just like you're saying, our style is very possession-based. He wants Richie wants everyone to get touches on the ball to enjoy the possession. But I think hopefully you'll see this year we're going to be a little more um, – urgent to get to goal because Mm -hmm. obviously you can have all the possession and and still lose the game and um, the NWSL is quite a transition league Mm -hmm. teams like North Carolina for instance have excelled over the years and that's because you know they've got Lynn Williams you can just kick it and (laughs) be on the back line and she's off to the races you know so um, we definitely are focusing on our attacking transition um getting to goal quicker, also uh, defending transition, winning the ball up high on the field so then we're closer to the goal, mm. um, things like that. So just more purposeful possession and kind of combining the last little pieces, uh, just making our runs in the box sharper um, and just making the most of our possession. So um, my role is pretty much the same, you know, not, mm. not to see goals. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to not play riskier, but like I said, as we look to attack more, instead of playing those safe options around the back to mm-hmm. say Sam or Paige or center backs, outside backs, can I find you know a Bailey Fife uh, in the middle of the field or you know go beyond their back line? So my roles changed a little bit in that as I'm getting better with my feet as well Mm. that allows me to expand my range and to be more accurate and so I can take those risks where it is a bit more dangerous to play down the center of the field but if I trust myself and I've got enough reps and confidence to to hit that ball then we can really do some damage but you know on the flip side (laughs) if I mess up they can really attack (laughs) us so so yeah we're working on um, just getting the goal a little bit quicker and being more dangerous Cool. I mean that that all. Uh, I feel like people are going to be into that. That sounds like a a, a fun right. plan. And um, <laughs> I, you know, I also yeah, exactly. Um, and also, you know, the the prospect of a goalkeeper assist. It sounds like is maybe uh, higher than it's ever been. So that that would be fun. I feel like man, that's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that'd be great. <laughs> um, one one underrated aspect of goalkeeping for me being someone who can't even jump particularly high or far. So I've never been a remotely useful goalkeeper. Um, But one thing that I've always thought about it, watching the teams I played on as a kid train goalkeepers is that you're kind of, you're away from the group doing some very specific stuff because it's kind of this individual sport within a team sport, because there's Mm -hmm. so many things that goalkeepers can do that no one else is allowed to do. Um, and it's very, very specific. Um, and this this offseason, uh, Ian McCaldin left for Everton. 
Um, and it seemed like the relationship between the goalkeepers and him was very good. Um, it seemed like the standard of coaching, everyone had a lot of respect for what he did. Um, so I'm curious, how do you adjust in the off season now with uh, different goalkeeper co uh, coaching and maybe a different methodology as well? Yeah, that's a good question. It's been a journey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, obviously, Ian was a, a big loss, not only for us goalkeepers, but um, our, our club. He's, he's mm -hmm. a great, great person. Um, to have the pleasure of meeting him, everyone, you know, benefits from knowing him. And he's got a big smile that lights up the room. But um, I, I still keep in touch with him and still have him as a resource. I'll send him some clips and ask his opinion and things like that. But um, yeah, we, we've been searching for uh, someone to replace him, which is a difficult task. But in the meantime, because I didn't have a goalkeeper coach for some of the off season, I really decided to double down on uh, working on my feet. So I worked with our assistant coach, Carrie Queaton, and I would put in you know, like a full training session, like I was a field player. Um, and that was really beneficial because I had to think a lot quicker, pressures faster. Um, so I just worked on my speed of play, expanding my range, working on my left, right foot. And um, yeah, just really doubled down on that. And I'm excited to uh, take that into the season. I've, I've improved my feet a lot. Mm. So that's kind of been my approach this off season. I was also fortunate to be in the national team camps, and, and obviously that's a really competitive, intense environment where mm -hmm. I got lots of reps um, yeah. and, and learned a lot and definitely very challenging. So that was really helpful. Uh, I didn't have too much of an off-season in terms of <laughs> training by myself. Mm -hmm. uh yeah. So you just got back, as as I said earlier, you, you just got back from Florida. You returned to the area after, you know, you guys get out here, you're here for only a little while. It's not really long to get settled in. And then you're down in Florida, you come back um, outside of baking and for, uh, or outside of baking and uh, getting some rest. Uh, what do you do? What was like top of the list when you got back from Florida, as far as just uh, maybe not soccer stuff, but just like, how do I get back into the groove of day-to-day -day life at home? Yeah, I had a lot of grocery shopping to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I came back to an <laughs> empty fridge and stuff. But um, I love the outdoors. So yesterday was a beautiful day here in the city. I went down to Great Falls and did the Billy Goat Trail. Um, so that's always great for me when I have a couple days off to get out in nature and, and do something, you know, that involves movement but not too strenuous. That's going to leave me, um, you know, tired by the time training comes around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I'm also um, working on my MBA. I don't know if you saw that mm -hmm. we signed a partnership with Shenandoah University, which allows us to um, take graduate courses for free. So I, I had some class and, and homework that I mm -hmm. always need to be doing. <laughs> so not too yeah. much free time for me. <laughs> right. Uh, that was actually, that was my uh, my last question was going to be about that. Um, so, you know, the, the team partnered with Shenandoah. Um, they mentioned you specifically, you and, and Paige uh, were mentioned in the release mm -hmm. as taking advantage of that program. Um, 
how much does that matter? Not just to you individually, obviously it matters to you since you, you are taking the classes, uh, you're actually using it right away. Um, but how much does that matter to the group? Was that something that as a team, you guys maybe pushed, uh, the owners and investors coming in, uh, on a resource that you wanted? Because I know in MLS, that's a program that the league has set up. They've got their own, uh, partnership with the right, university, yeah. whereas NWSL doesn't have that for everyone. It's it's now this is a team program, not a league program. Right. Um, going back, I think the genesis of the idea was actually our owner Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've known that, like you said, that the MLS has their program, and I've always been a little jealous to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really think that it was possible for us to do i guess um but steve is is quite the visionary and always um is way ahead of everyone else so he when he came in he he said that that was a goal of his to get graduate school classes so um there's definitely a couple of us who've been like oh how is it coming are Mm -hmm. we close to reaching a deal um because we almost had a deal with marymount university but um Anyway, so we ended up finalizing it with Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. And um, Paige and I are the only ones enrolled currently, but I know a lot of girls are interested in taking different courses, whether it be MBA or um, teaching. And so I think, honestly, there could be a quarter to a half of the team that will eventually take advantage of that, which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. Um, and now that we've got players like Trinity Rodman coming in, who was only in college for a semester. I think this is a great partnership because she can work on her undergraduate as well. And so it makes sense not only for us players, like personally, but also for the team. This is quite the differentiator amongst the league. Like, you know, if you come to Spirit, you can get a free NBA. Like that's quite a valuable asset. And I hope that we kind of lead the way for the rest of the league to form these partnerships to increase the overall player experience. Yeah, I mean, that that makes a ton of sense. You know, when you think of the the length of a player's career outside of someone like Formiga or um, my favorite player in the world uh, on the men's side is Kazumiura, who is 54 and is still playing professional soccer. Um Outside of those two, uh, who are basically like superhumans, uh, everyone else tends to have <laughs> to find something else to do. Um, mm-hmm. And having that resource to be prepared and not just to step off the field and say, well, well now, you know, maybe I have an idea, but I don't have the tools right now to do it. Um, I, I think right. it's super valuable. And, and like you said, you know, if when the coaching staff or or the team approaches a player's agent to talk about possibly coming to the spirit, having that as a second thing, Mm -hmm. it's not just come play for this team, but it's also come train at this facility under these coaches with these players, with these Mm -hmm. resources. Um, It, it, I imagine uh, is going to be a, a game changer, not just for the players that are there, but also, you know, making the team stronger over time, which uh, I feel like I feel like everyone listening to this is going to be on board for, unless there's some sort of like uh, spirit hater that listens in for some reason. So, <laughs> if, if you're that person, get in touch with me. I I just want to know yeah, right. <laughs> your your mentality, uh, wh- why you're doing that. I'm curious. Um, so 
one thing that happened um, while the team was down in Florida um, was that uh, Julia Radar and Jordan DiBiase both came to town and, you know, you guys were still finishing mm-hmm. up in Florida. They got in, I think Richie said last week, maybe that um, Jordan was due early or sometime in the middle of the last week. And then uh, mm-hmm. Radar also arrived somewhere in that time frame. Um, I know it's a different situation with those two because Julia's brand new to the team um, other than playing with Sonnet. She hasn't, I don't think she's played with anybody on the team whereas Jordan's been on the team for this is now three years um, mm-hmm. as a, as a team leader, what goes into the the dynamic between, you know, welcoming someone who's brand new versus a situation where you're sort of reintegrating uh, Jordan to some extent. I don't know how connected she can be when she's not physically around, like you can text or whatever, but she's still not like there in the building. So it's a, you know, kind of a missed like you, you mentioned the team bonding in Florida, that's kind of a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what can you do to sort of make up for that with her? Right. Um, I mean, Jordy's super sweet. I, I foresee her just getting right back in, you know, um, Julia will definitely have to be more intentional about getting to know her and making sure she feels welcomed and everything. Um, but this will be a bit of an interesting year, at least until, the Olympics are over because I'm pretty sure Julie is about to be heading out to join the Swedish national team in like yeah, a couple weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, well we'll get her for a week. <laughs> so I'm really excited to meet her and get her as, as integrated as we can in that short amount of time. And um, then yeah, send her back off again. <laughs> and, and the same thing for, for Kelly and, and Sonnet. Um, yeah. They've been kind of bouncing in and out, but yeah, so far, um, it's been really great. We're, we're a young team. And I think with that, everyone is pretty inclusive and, and open-minded. We don't have, um, I would say like an established hierarchy or people who've been around forever and, uh, resistant to change that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, we're, we're a very welcoming team and we know that we rely on our newcomers and our young players. So, there's no sense in treating rookies like rookies in this, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of behaving or just being rude. <laughs> right. Um, we're, we try to get them up to speed as quick as possible because we know that they're going to play. And, and I'd also like to think, yeah, we're, we're nice people here at the spirit. So <laughs> there's no need for that. <laughs> uh you know, thinking of this, this challenge cup coming up, obviously it's different from last time. And I feel like um, that maybe as a team, there was maybe a note of like a, a different feeling about the last challenge cup where as much as the result was disappointing, the amount of focus you could put in uh, inside that bubble. uh, It seemed like at least some of the players maybe were, were, pretty on board for that kind of thing where it's kind of like soccer camp, except it's, it's for real. Um, This time you have a different situation where it's, you know, kind of a normal deal where you are flying to uh, or flying or taking a bus or what have you to uh, various games. You've got North Carolina. um, That's a pretty familiar trip for, for most of the people on the team. Um, Do you miss, that aspect of the challenge cup in a little way of having that like 
there's nothing else we can really do here but focus on training and playing? Um, definitely not. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll be honest, the bubble was quite difficult. Just, mm-hmm. um, and maybe people will say otherwise, but for me, I'm at my best when I can at least like one day a week uh, forget about soccer. Like I mm-hmm. won't watch video. I won't play. Like I said earlier, I'll go for a hike. I'll do do some anything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but um, the tough thing there was there was there was just no escape. Um, yeah. And we were just pretty like we could kind of hang out, but not really. Um, mm-hmm. cause just because if one of us were to get it, then you could spread it to everyone else. So mm-hmm. it ended up being a lot of alone time in your, in our hotel rooms. Um, so it was just a really, really, yeah, difficult time. Um, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it, but, um, it was really challenging and, and I hope we yeah. don't have to do that again, <laughs> that we can, you know, sleep in our beds and, uh, Right. drive ourselves to the game and have friends and family in the stands and, and have a bit of a release um, for me. Cause that's how I, that's how I'm my best mm. on the field. Uh, what is the, the feel within the team as far as um, yeah, I've, I, it feels like league wide whenever I, you know, I just listened into um, black goes uh, talking about the, the national team roster um, a couple of hours ago. And, he mentioned that his impression is that a lot of the teams are maybe seeing it as a warm-up tournament rather than a, you know, this trophy uh, is super duper important. It's not that everyone's showing up and doesn't care, but um, it is sort of the warm-up for the regular season. Uh, how do you feel about it personally? Do you see it as, you know, let's go win this thing for, for real, or is it more like it would be nice if we win, but also the regular season and the playoffs are the goal here? Yeah, that's a good question because I do find it interesting. There doesn't seem to be uh, much incentive to win other than mm-hmm. obviously pride and we're competitors. We love to win. Right. But even with these friendlies coming up in April, uh, teams are going to be without their, their national team players for the first match. So mm-hmm. that already uh, puts you at – kind of disadvantaged state in terms of not having your best roster out there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I wish that there was almost like uh, the winner gets um, maybe a, an extra draft pick or <laughs> uh, something going into the regular season or, or just more um, incentive to play because having a, a preseason tournament before a 24 game season, I think it, it's going to be, uh, quite grueling. So I don't know if teams are going to try to rotate the squad a little bit just to get everyone some minutes. And, um, cause there will be, I would imagine a greater risk of injury because we haven't played 90 mm-hmm. minutes yet. And we're going into these matches that are pretty important in the sense of you got to win if you want to win your group and, and then end up winning the challenge cup. So, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how it plays out because you got to balance the, um, the need to not kind of compromise players' um, well-being, health and well-being for the whole remainder of the season, but you also, of course, want to win. 
So um, I definitely want to win <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and hope, uh, yeah, we can kind of power through those four games in the championship. But again, we'll have to be really diligent to look at um, the loadings and the numbers that people are putting up in the games just to make sure that we're not compromising getting these wins right now, but then having having an injured squad for the rest of the season. Right. Uh, You know, we're we're, like, I I think I mentioned this before, we're only a few days from another preseason game. And this is a game that's going to be played at Audi Field, which it's been a long time uh, since you guys have been able to play at Audi Field. I know it's not going to be the same as as the 2019 games because we're not in a situation where we can have 20,000 people there. Um, But how cool is it to get back into the stadium, um, you know, in the city, given that the team has put a lot of emphasis on uh, trying to play as many games there as they possibly can? Yeah, I'm ecstatic. I can't wait to be back at Audi. It's been a long, long time Mm because even our fall series games last year, we were out at Segra. Um, Yeah. So even if it's one, two thousand fans, I'm excited to have someone there. Mm -hmm. Um, The pitch is beautiful. It it plays well. Um, It's conducive to our style of play. So I think um, just being in a professional environment, it'll Mm -hmm. get the best out of us. And uh, we definitely want, you know, to play our best not only to win, but also that we can get more fans and they find our style of play entertaining. And, yeah, we keep winning. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's March and I feel like, um, I've heard you at some point somewhere in something mention having played basketball or being a fan of basketball. Is that, is that accurate or am I going crazy? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I played through high school and then, um, intramurals and stuff in college and, uh, Richie always gives me a hard time because (laughs) I love to shoot hoops and I was, uh, caught playing oh. one-on-one with a friend mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, got in a bit of trouble for them. So now I, I'm only allowed to shoot hoops, nothing uh, too intense. <laughs> um, so, so uh, wh- or wh- what position did you play? Um, now, now I'm, now that I know that I wasn't just making that up in my brain. Yeah. Uh, I was a point guard and shooting guard. So okay. one, two or three. Okay. Um, I, I, I was, always terrible at basketball. I don't even, not, I don't even merit a position, uh, just a, a pl- person who would occasionally end up in a game somehow. Um, but you know, I'm bringing this up because, uh, I, and I thought about this as soon as I saw the, um, the tournament draw that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you went to wake, wake got in, uh, to the tournament for the first time in, I, I think it's like 20 years or something like that. Um, yeah, it's been a uh, long time. <laughs> And then, you know, the, the possibility with Wake is that if they had advanced, they would have been most likely playing Stanford. And my first thought was like, you know, with the number of Stanford players on the team, with you and with uh, Bailey having gone to Wake Forest, that there this might have been an, a big event. Uh, I know it didn't it didn't pan out that way. I don't yeah. want to I don't want to make you think too much about the game. No, it's, it's okay. Um, it was but, a blowout. Um, I think they lost by like 20. I mean, I, yeah, on the, on the men's side, uh, I went one for two with Maryland yesterday. Obviously the women's team scored a billion points like they always do. The men's team also lost by about 20. So I I feel the pain. 
Um, so I, I don't want to get into any sort of uh, banter that you might have been subjected to as a result of that. So I'm going to ask about, I'm going to change the question here. Um, who do you think is going to win uh, the tournament? Who do, who do you got on your bracket? I picked Michigan this year. Okay. Um, I didn't follow as much just because with COVID, all the seasons have been weird. Um, mm. But yeah, I went with Michigan. I know there's already been a lot of upsets. Um, was it Illinois, the number one seed loss? Mm. Ohio State went down, they were two seed. And so a lot of my uh, Ohio people were upset about that. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I've been watching um, pretty much all the games. I'll, I'll have it on. Mm. Yeah, it's been fun. Love the madness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think actually there are, there are probably games on right now, aren't there? Um, I don't no, actually not know. Today. Not no, not today. No, not today. Today finally over. Okay. Um, yes. I kind of lost track of time with the the games being. They shifted it now so that both tournaments were happening staggered from their normal dates, and so I was just over the weekend mm-hmm. kind of lost in like I don't know what day it is. There's basketball. That's right, what I know. Right. Um, at some point, they'll say there's yeah. no more for today, and I'll turn the TV off. Um, I do feel guilty. I did not do a women's bracket. I must admit, um, I only did the men's, but mm. I still watch the women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did yeah. Did you have anyone that, if you if you had filled out your women's bracket, who would you have taken uh, to win it all? Unfortunately, yeah, probably Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> they always <laughs> win. I hate it. Yeah, I, I know Stanford, UConn. I'm sure Notre Dame's good. Um, mm. I didn't follow too much, but the women, I feel like you definitely have a lot more dynasties than with yeah. the men. The the men's tournament has been extremely chaotic. Um, no one knows what's going to happen. Whereas uh, I, I think this next round for the women's tournament looks like it's going to be um, maybe maybe a few more upsets coming in. Um, I hope. <laughs> No upset for uh, I'm going to bring up Maryland again. I hope no upset there, um, yeah. Because I've kind of I've kind of pinned all my hopes. I I kind of knew the men's team wasn't going to win it all, but I'm like the women's team uh-huh. actually could. So I'm gonna I'm all in uh, emotionally there, which means I might be setting myself up for perhaps <laughs> uh, if you're right about Stanford, I could be setting myself up for a Final Four uh, heartbreak, which uh, I guess is just the nature of the beast. But I I, I right. put together my bracket, and the first thing I did was take. Uh, my own school all the way to the national champion. And then I filled out the rest of it afterwards. Um, Wait, you're, is, you're Maryland alone? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I, I, I went with Maryland all the way. And if, if I have to come back and regret it, that, so be it. But that's, that's what <laughs> I did on the, the women's bracket. The men's bracket. I was like, I can't in good conscience. I can't. Yeah, right. They're not well, quite good enough. Thing. You want to root for your teams, but then it's like, Oh, I also want to like be realistic and win the mm-hmm. bracket. So it's always, yeah, always hard. <laughs> right. Um, it well, it helps when your team is is an actual contender because then it's not, you don't have to yeah. lie to yourself. You can right. just say like, I could actually be right here. Um, but uh, speaking of the tournament, um, and, and this is maybe not as much fun, um, but there's, I'm sure you've seen the social media posts about the, the NCAA really sparing no expense on the men's side. Um, while the women's tournament gets, you know, the, the pretty notorious shot of the one set of weights in a gigantic empty room, um, things like, you know, the range of things where it just hasn't been fair, whether it's 
not the same media resources for coverage or players getting a smaller uh, a smaller puzzle in the uh, the gift bag that everyone gets. Um, you know, the, the range of inequality yeah. has been like, you know, it's very thorough, um, if if also really discouraging. Uh, does that resonate with your experiences from playing college soccer or even now uh, as a professional in NWSL versus how MLS teams or other professional leagues uh, treat their players? Yeah, good question. Um, I made it to the Final Four one year um, mm-hmm. at, at Wake Forest, and I do remember thinking, like, oh, this is it. Like, this is all that we get in kind of the swag bag because. Um, it was like a t-shirt, a hat, maybe a scarf kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the higher revenue sports, you know, I, I had a friend, uh, my roommate was on the women's basketball team, and they would make the ACC tournament, and they got to choose between like a new TV, like an iPad, or like Beats or something. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> so you definitely kind of question some of those things in college. Um, in as a pro now, uh, obviously we have a bit to go in catching up to the MLS and what they offer their players in, in other European leagues um, that are more established. But it's a little different because there's not already the expectation of equality or fairness. You know, because mm. Title IX protects that amongst um, college. So mm. there's really no no arguing that the women and men should be treated any differently. Um, That should be, yeah, that should be equal. Um, But obviously with uh, the NWSL in comparison to the MLS, we are a a little further behind in terms of um, earning revenues and, and becoming more sustainable. So there's always kind of the balance of wanting more, but then also needing to have steady growth. Um, with the previous leagues, you know, they paid players a lot, a lot more, I think around, yeah, like 50,000 or something for even the rookies. And obviously they all folded. So I'm really encouraged by the progress we're making. Uh, Of course, I wish it could come faster, but um, I am encouraged by the direction that our league is heading uh, with instances like this deal with Shenandoah and um, being able to go to Florida for three weeks for preseason camp. These are all really um, great experiences that we wouldn't have really dreamed of years ago when we're just kind of struggling to to make it by. Um, mm. So, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of progress, and, and I'm encouraged by it. So hopefully we can keep going. And, and things the bar will only be raised higher now by um, Angel City coming in with their – star-studded investor group and things like that. Um, mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Aubrey, uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, great conversation and, and looking forward to you covering our, our season this year. And thanks, Aubrey, for coming on. I thought it was a really good interview. Uh, got to hear a little bit of the baking process uh, in the background, which uh, is not a complaint at all. I think that actually kind of lends to what we were talking about early on. The, the baking does not stop. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to listen to back episodes, you want to know where episodes, where to find more episodes, if, if you don't have an RSS feed or anything like that set up, the website is plexweather.pinecast.co. 
Uh, you can find the uh, podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. I think there's some others that it's popped up on that uh, I didn't register for, but that grab it anyway. I don't know how all this stuff works exactly. If you want, if you feel moved, uh, it would do the podcast quite a bit of good. If you uh, give it a rating and a review, uh, I don't actually know how that helps, but a lot of people who make their living at podcasts say it all the time. So I assume it would also help me and, and this podcast. Uh, the Twitter account is at Plexweather, all one word. If you are, if you're really moved and you feel like supporting the podcast financially, there is a link to a tip jar both on the website and on the bio of the Twitter account. Uh, if you even even a single dollar is a tremendous thing, uh, makes my day. It makes it a lot easier to devote time to this um, because you know, as as with everyone, time is at a premium, and finding a way to do this and not lose money at it, uh, it definitely helps quite a bit. So, anyone that wants to give in that uh, on that front, you have my eternal thanks, and and it'll help uh, the show hopefully. It makes it something I can do more often, especially with the season coming. Hopefully I can get a more regular recording schedule going. Recording during the preseason has been a little tough um, just from the fact that there's a lot of things going on in my life, but there's also a lot of things going on with the team. They go to Florida. They have, you know, they had double days at one point. There's a reason this episode happened this week instead of last week. And it's mostly because the players had a lot on their plate. And, you know, after you get off training, you have two two sessions in one day, you probably don't want to also have to do an hour on a podcast. So completely understand having to push back. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, but yeah, hopefully as the season comes, uh, we get into more of a regular rhythm and that's, that's on me. Um, for the most part, that's not necessarily down to player scheduling. I just have to make sure that I'm doing it. And, uh, that's about it. Uh, thanking Aubrey once again, uh, for her time. See you soon.